Okay folks, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Wa la'aqibatu l-muttaqeen, Wa la'udwani illa ala al-zalimeen, Wa salamatullahi wa salamuhu ala ashraf l-anbiya'i wal-mursaleen, Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altahu sahla wa anta tajul al-hazna idha shi'a zahla, Allahumma a'inna la dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik. Ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everybody. I hope you're all doing okay. This cold and wettish Wednesday, the 3rd of February, in which I have completed quite a bit more of the translation, but didn't finish the entire chapter. Frankly, the entire chapter is quite a lot, to be honest. So, um, you know, that's no major problem. I'll do it next week, inshallah. Shazman, missions man, about to go in tomorrow to vaccinate man. What missions are qasim. So, yeah. I ain't got time to do that this week. Um, so I hope you guys are good. Let's um, read what I think we're going to cover today, inshallah. Yeah? What I think we're going to cover today. I think where we stopped at, okay, is... Uh, right? That's where we stopped. But let's read it, uh, 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 let's read it properly. Okay, the chapter of... Supererogatory uh, prayer. I think actually the Arabic is more difficult than the English. Tatawar. Supererogatory. Yeah, definitely the Arabic is more difficult. Kaduha kusuf. Thumma istisqa. Thumma tarawih. Thumma witr. Yufa'alu bayna al-isha'i wal-fajr. Wa aqalluhu raka'ah. Wa aktharuhu ihda ashrata mathna. Mathna. Wuyuthiru bi wahida. Wa in awtar bi khamsin aw sab'in. Lam yajlis illa fi akhiriha. وبتسعين يجلس عقب الثامنة ويتشهد ولا يسلم ثم يصلي تاسعة ويتشهد ويسلم وأدنى الكمال ثلاث ركعات بالسلامين يقرأ في الأولى بصبح وفي الثانية بالكافرون وفي الثالثة بالإخلاص ويقنط فيها بعد الركوع ويقول اللهم اهدني في من حديت we won't be doing the du'a today, definitely. That's a lot. Even if we get even closer to the du'a, it'll be a result. So the translation of everything that I've just said right now is... Uh, the most emphasized is the eclipse prayer out of the supererogatory prayers, then the rain prayer, then taraweeh. Then it is the witr prayer, which is performed between Isha and Fajr. That's where we're starting today. Make sure yeah, everybody clicks on the red button on the YouTube video, by the way, okay? So that it's live. This is page 14, page 12 of the commentary, all right? The text. Um, and you st click on study material, you'll see the matan as well. Then it is the witr prayer, which is performed between Isha and Fajr. It is a minimum of one unit and a maximum of 11, which is performed in twos and ends with a single unit. If one was to perform the witr as five or seven, they would not sit until the very end. If nine is performed, one only sits in the eighth unit, performs tashahud, but does not do the taslim, then prays the ninth unit, and then does tashahud again, and does the taslim. The basic complete version is three units with two taslims, reciting Surah Al-A'la in the first, Surah Al-Kafirun, in the second and Surah Al-Ikhlas in the third. 
one performs the qunut after the ruku'a saying the dua oh Allah guide me along with those whom you have guided right so that's our dust today inshallah inshallah right um so on page 12 in the middle he basically says this is the time for a witter prayer between isha and between fajr and isha as you know is roughly about yeah any hour and a half hour 40 depending upon where you are after sunset and fajr of course is the break of dawn hour and a half odd before sunrise um, and we're talking true dawn and not false dawn the second fajr as such okay and this is uh and um but even though i explained to you what time salatul isha is and isha as i said is an hour and a half or hour 40 after maghrib the majority of scholars other than the hanafis of course who do not accept the combining of prayers um, the vast majority of scholars accept that actually, technically speaking, uh, the time of uh, Salatul Witr, the time zone, the time frame, is not actually after one and a half hours after Maghrib, but rather it's after Isha. And we know that Salatul Isha can be prayed Jama' Taqdiman wa Ta'khiran. Obviously, we haven't done combining yet, but when we do, you will realize that when you combine Maghrib and Isha for a reason, a valid reason in Sharia, you can either combine it at the earlier time or the later time. If you combine it at the early time, it means you combine it with Maghrib. So if the Maghrib was, uh, let's let's go today, 5 o'clock, yeah? So Maghrib is 5 o'clock. Um, and let's just say for the sake of argument, Isha is 7. So normally people are thinking that Salatul Witr starts from 7 o'clock until... Uh, let's say uh, half past six in the morning, right? Fajr, r which is roughly what it is in Manchester these days. So from 7 p.m. until half past six. Now, uh, what you find out, though, is actually the time for Witter is from five o'clock-ish. If you were to combine, if you were outside somewhere or travel or whatever, and you prayed your Salatul Maghrib and you prayed your Salatul Isha straight after it, then the witr can kick in. So witr technically is after isha, the prayer, not isha, the time. So that's an important uh, distinction. The evidence of the time of isha to fajr is the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has amaddukum bi salatin hiya khayrun lakum min humrin na'am. Yani Allah has um, uh, uh, What's the best way to translate this? Yani, Allah has um, yani added to you, given to you, blessed you. All of that is accepted. Yeah, yani, I'll have to I'll have to think about a, a better translation. But rather, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has uh, given to you a prayer which is better than the red camels. Yani, better than anything that you can ever imagine. It's called Salatul Witr, the odd prayer. Witr means odd as opposed to even. It is between the Isha prayer until the break of dawn, until the Fajr uh, comes on board, until the break of dawn. This hadith narrated by Abu Dawood, 1418, and by Imam Tirmidhi as well, 452. He said this is hadith al-gharib, um, and 
Ibn Majah also narrated it. This hadith is not the strongest, but it was considered acceptable by uh, it was considered acceptable by Shaykh al-Albani. So it's okay in terms of its authenticity. Allah has provided you. Yeah, I think that works as well. All right. Um, do you combine because of the fear you cannot get up for Fajr? No, no, there's no combining for fear of getting up for Fajr. You go to sleep early if you can't get up for Fajr. There's no combining. Um, unless there's some extraordinary emergency, crazy situation, one-off. Then obviously that's some, that one-off is one-off. But there's no basic principle that you just combine because you can't get up for Fajr. Um, but like I said, don't ask about things which we know are coming later. That's a whole separate chapter. So... Uh, and not just this hadith, but the authentic sunnah uh, is full of evidences that show that the Prophet ﷺ used to pray this prayer, not just at night time after Isha, but very late as well. Many, many hadith, direct and indirect. Some are subtle, some yani are, but super clear. Okay? Um, so whenever you pray Salatul Isha, you have completed the obligatory prayers of the night. Okay? When you have finished Salatul Asr, you have completed the obligatory prayers of the day. When you complete Salatul Isha, you have completed the obligatory prayers of the night. The only thing which remains are the supererogatory prayers of the night. Okay? Um, and he can uh, uh, pray it immediately after Salatul Isha if he wants. And we're going to come to that in a second. But you will obviously will know that most of you are Paks. So you will know that you know generally the Paks have a very cautious approach to... Sunnah and Witr in general. So even though they're fully aware, fully aware of the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ to not turn your homes into graveyards, meaning to increase in the Sunnah in your homes, they actually pray very little at home. And they insist on praying their Sunnah in the Masajid. And they then also pray the Witr which follows uh, in the Masjid as well. Out of the fear that if they didn't, then when they were to get home, they wouldn't pray. So they'd rather bank a certainty, which has a lot of common sense, frankly, uh, even if it's against the sunnah per se, but they'd rather bank it than take the risk. And likewise with the witr as well. And we might as well cover this now. When it comes to the actual uh, witr prayer, we have a number of hadith of this. There's no doubt that the best time to pray witr is as late as possible, just like Salatul Isha. Whatever is more difficult normally as a general rule, whatever requires more sacrifice, I should say, is always rewarded. But then... That's one thing. Then you got the statement of the Prophet ﷺ, which is to delay it, uh, which is to delay Isha, which is to delay with it. Then you got the practice of the Prophet ﷺ. So you got a general principle in the Quran and Sunnah that anything which causes extra difficulty without craziness it is rewarded. Extra sacrifice, extra hard work, extra steps, yani, for the, towards the masjid, extra cold water, for example, for wudu. The, 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 the deen is, has a plethora of hadith uh, about all the different sciences. Okay, the ibadah in a waqt of fitna, for example. Uh, and, 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 and. So that's general principle. Then you have the statement of the Prophet ﷺ. Then you have the action of the Prophet ﷺ. And one of the most famous hadith which all of you know is when the Prophet ﷺ has a, was having a discussion about Salatul Witr with Sayyidina Umar and Abu Bakr radiallahu anhuma. And when he uh, compared, the, compared what both did, which was Umar taking the... Uh, uh, the approach of praying later and Abu Bakr yani, taking the approach of praying early, um, the Prophet praised both of them without any uh, doubt that the latter one is the more rewarded. Okay? Meaning the one that's prayed later at night. But he acknowledged that Umar was taking the higher risk and getting the higher gains. 
uh, higher risk meaning that you might not wake up. And by the way, the Prophet ﷺ also missed witr at least on one occasion. That is the risk because you're not just waking up early for Fajr, but you're waking up yeah, a couple of hours before, right? Um, so that's a risk, especially if you have a late night or tired during the daytime. So it's a risk, but there's a much greater reward for it. Or you bank what you've got in your hand. What's that game called? There's a game in it. You bank or you go. What's that game called, man? I'm sure it's like one of those games. Anyway. What's that game called? Anyway, so... Uh, and Abu Bakr was like, you know what it is? I'm not that sure upon myself. And I'll just pray it now. Now, that's of a lesser level. However, as we're going to come to later... Maybe next week, maybe the week after, when we go into a bit more deeper discussion uh, concerning uh, this, it's possible that you wake up and yeah, deal or no deal, that's it, yeah. So if you, uh, uh, if you do wake up, what happens then? Right? So you banked, but then you've got, and you, you took home what you took home, and then you've got an opportunity by waking up later as well. SubhanAllah, the Witr game yani, is even better than deal or no deal. You see, deal or no deal, once you've taken it, you've taken it, end of story. However, in Deen, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you a second chance, yani, if that makes sense. Which is pretty sick if you think about it. But anyway, we'll speak about what you do later. All right, What's the options if you do wake up? Is it a case of, the Prophet said that make your final prayer of the night, the Witr prayer, I've already prayed it, what am I going to do now? That's an argument that some people said is a very important Argument that restricts you yani, in terms of what you can do. All right. So, anyway, uh, uh, and that's why, um, as I said, the Hanafi school, they generally kind of like, you know what, we're not going to mess about. And um, I just want you to know, honestly, and I'm super serious about this. Not only is there fiqh to this, but there's also a huge dose of reality as well. The Hanafis or the modern day Diobandis, I should say, which is far more accurate because it's not, the, it's not a Hanafi thing, this. This is a Diobandi pack kind of version of the Hanafi school that I'm talking about that does this. And in fairness, a number of the other madhahib and kind of, you know, cultural kind of Muslims, um... Which is, I know that sounds like a bit of a kind of a cuss, a pejorative term, but I don't really mean it in that way. I mean it in those, like people kind of keep their deen basic. They're not yani, too complicated, not too practicing, not too knowledgeable. They just do what they need to do. They're obviously not yani, cultural if they're praying in a masjid regularly. You get my point. These folks, they don't mess about. Whether they're Indonesians, Malaysians, whatever it is, a lot of them will pray their witr in the masjid straight away. Which is so clearly against... The sunnah of praying sunnah at home and then the sunnah of praying um, late, right? I also want to make a clarification. The hadith of Abu Bakr radiallahu anh doesn't support in any way the praying of witr in the masjid like Pak's do, like we do, like our culture does. It would mean that he would pray the last thing before he goes to sleep. Now, I want you to just realize that once you have prayed your fard prayer in the masjid and you do not pray your sunnah in the masjid with the belief that you're going to go home and pray okay you're now in the hands of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and uh, a slave to your desires now what happens next i want to remind you that when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam um uh uh 
you know, explain this hadith and the people were acting upon it, etc., etc. You're talking about an environment which I doubt very few in this class or indeed most of the people around today have actually experienced, which is in their lifetimes, which is going back to a home that has no light, that has no internet, that has no electricity, that has no TV, that has no entertainment, that has no distraction, that has no whatever, okay? Yani to do something would require extraordinary effort. It would require extraordinary cost. It would require candles, wax, burning, actively having to go out, freezing cold, getting dressed, wrapped, unwrapped. Yani, no joke, okay? The main thing I want you to focus on is the lack of distraction. The lack of distraction would mean that people have got a very, very good chance of praying their sunnah as you're meant to do. And witr, as I said, was never ever, sunnah was never ever seen in the masjid. Yani, I'm talking about the two rakah after maghrib, the two rakah after isha, normal sunnah, I mean. Let alone the witr prayer. It's impossible to think about the witr prayer in the masjid. Because when they would go home, if they were to stay awake for one hour, two hours, or for however long they were going to stay awake for at home, they would then pray the witr and then go to sleep if they were taking the safe Abu Bakr easy option. All right. And don't forget, we're talking equator. Right. So in Mecca and Medina throughout the year, you're not looking much later than 8 p.m. A lot, you know, a lot of the reason, a lot of the time, a lot of people think that, um, uh, you know, the uh, companions, they were like uh, super religious, which of course they were. They were. But it was not unrealistic. You know, it wasn't like um, they weren't doing. I mean, yeah, they would, do a, they would do a madness here and there. But. You know the problem is, is that if you make if you turn it into too superhuman, too fantasy, yeah, then there's nothing there for us to achieve. Um, the truth is, is they were just super disciplined. That's what they were incredibly good at, discipline, right? The environment made things uh, much, much easier and conducive to a person of discipline. Let me make that clear, right? So it's the, you know they got a lot of help, right? They got a lot of help. But you've still got to be disciplined enough to use that help. So having nothing to do, nothing to do, expensive and difficult to even read, let alone have devices and entertainment and TV and sports and all whatever. Having nothing to do and super dark, super dark, right? No concept of street lights or, you know, environment. So people go to sleep early and being on the equator, the year is very, very stable and Isha never gets much later than yani, whatever you may think, even if they delay until the midnight, okay? They're getting their Qaylula in the night and um, you can see that because they start early, they get tired after one or two hours after Maghrib. That's why they were all falling asleep when the Prophet ﷺ was delaying Isha even further, right? And so therefore, they're getting a solid night's sleep. Now, despite all of that, they are going home and, you know, sometimes they're not sure and they're, they're praying their prayer. Anyway, the, the thing that I wanted to say is that there's no, there's more to hear than fiqh. There's got to be society, there's got to be anthropology and politics that's got to be involved. Like nowadays, especially with the new generation, especially our kids and so on. Okay. Um, if they don't pray, not just the kids, actually all of us. If you don't pray your sunnah in the masjid, once you've prayed your fard prayer, and you're living in that fantasy dream that you're going to go home. Not even fantasy, you're living in cloud cuckoo land. That I'm going to go home, pray sunnah. 
okay? And what you do, you go home to your phone and to the football and to the this and to the that. You know, it's just rubbish, yeah. And people are they're living living in dream world, right? The level of discipline to go and to even have a quiet room at that time, that's also a major concern. And then even if you were to go to your own bedroom, who even does that? Because when they do, you immediately then you're on your phone and all that nonsense. So it's a big concern for the young generation, especially millennials and this, that. That's a major, major concern because these folks have grown up yeah, and dependent upon their phones. Absolutely, uh, uh, you know, horribly, actually. And so it's not necessarily about urf informing fiqh. It's about, unfortunately, bowing to urf regardless of the fiqh and, and hoping that Allah forgives us for taking these the the the, the poorer option, because it's not acceptable. It's not it's not it's not acceptable to live a life like this, but it's because we're so pathetic that we can't break out of it. I speak the collective we. It's still our fault. If people think that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is going to forgive the nation for not memorizing the Quran because they're obsessed with their phones, they're in for a big shock. There is no forgiveness. There is no forgiveness for people being lazy, right? You guys would have seen the video that I released, you know, well, over a year now ago of Sheikh Abdul Rashid Al-Sufi, all right? And, uh, you know, uh, where he, you know, explained the example. Because I said to him, I, I, you know, I don't understand how any millennial is going to learn any Islam because they're so lazy, they're so ill-disciplined. They're obsessed with trying to do two things at once, watching the football whilst doing a dars using their phones, this, that, whatever, whatnot, okay? Um, it's crazy. It's sad. There's a, there's a lack of focus, a lack of ihtimam, lack of prioritization. But even if they are super practicing and super focused and super disciplined, there is, uh, uh, there is a, uh, a really poor level of discipline. Just يعني, on making sure that you give time to whatever... People have do all kinds of things, right? Family, efforts, rooms, this, that, whatever. It's the it's the modern time, and I'll, 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 you know. So I just want you to say I just want you to know that it's great speaking in a vacuum of theoretical fit, but in a modern world you would do things very different. So I'll give you an example. The, as I said, the 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 the, the Salatul Witr should be prayed last thing before you go to sleep. That's the that's the cop out option by the way the proper sunnah is to go sleep and wake up later there is no idea of praying witr in the masjid if you if you know in the sunnah paradigm in the narrated paradigms right in the abu Bakr paradigm however it's allowed not only is it allowed i want to say to you that i think that as a parent or as a community leader you need to implement that like i'm going to tell you straight with my children okay like, it's, you know, you know, the idea of I better make sure that they pray their sunnah in the masjid. So because they're not going to pray at home. I want to say to you that. If we're like now in, in lockdown, if we don't pray. The witter. In the jama'ah, meaning like in our, our, our jama'ah room, our musalla, right, where we pray. I don't even think that they'll pray between the distance of downstairs to the bedroom. Absolutely convinced. I've caught those rats out many times. 
So, the truth is, yeah, that means you, you rats, yeah. That's why you're watching on the big screen so you can see me say it publicly, you rats, okay? I know that. I force you to pray the sunnah, now I'm going to start forcing people to pray with it in front of me as well. Because the lack of discipline of getting yani, five minutes, within five minutes to the room, this game over. Because once you've done, brush your teeth, got into bed, those packs aren't getting out of nowhere, bro. Of course they're not. That's Generation Z for you. That's millennials. Once it's game over, it's game over. The concept of making wudu again, yani, even the best adult finds out a problem. Let alone a kid. Kid yani, who blags wudu, lies by anyway. Right? It's kids, isn't it? Teenage. So that's what happens. So... Yeah, I need, I, 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 the, the, the idea of the uh, 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 urf is that the culture right now, the, the bar has been so lowered where before, where we feared that people would not pray sunnah because there's an hour gap between praying in a masjid and then getting home to a bit of time, okay? Where it makes sense actually, you know, there's a real chance of people missing out, you know, lose the sense... I'm saying if you pray Isha right here, late, I don't even have enough trust yani, that the ihtimam and the, 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 the discipline is going to be there to pray when you get to your room. And I don't honestly blame the kids, frankly. Okay? I don't. It is this generation. It really is. And it was, it was part of our generation as well. Uh, um, but I don't know. Like we're kind of holding on to it. We, we, you know, my own generation, I think are the... I mean... You know, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm being incredibly generous to my generation, but certainly the previous generation is the one that um, uh, were the last, yani, you know, guardians of the sunnah, guardians of praying sunnah, guardians of praying witr, you know, anywhere, let alone at home. Forget home. So I just want to say that it is important to understand time limits, and that's good what Sheikh Uthameen uh, is doing because that's the correct thing to do. In the real world, you won't be going anywhere near any of this. In the real world, you have to do something very, very different. Where you pray your fard together, especially in lockdown where people are praying at home and congregations, which you should be doing. There's many benefits as well. Praying the sunnah there and then telling them to pray the witr as well. Just yani, to believe that they're going to have the discipline and to trust them as a big mistake. Unless, of course... You've practiced and you've gone through it and you check on them regularly and you motivate them, whatever, whatnot. Then that's something else if they're on the game. But if they're not, if they're not, then, you know. You see, Ibrahim says about the masjid being open, right? And uh, uh, no option to pray sunnah at home. That's, again, Klaakuku land, that is. That's the theory that people are going to pray their sunnah at home. The elderly will, and it's a wonderful thing. Because the elderly that come to the masjid are the ones that don't pray this, do this act. 99% of them don't. So if they're being forced to learn the sunnah, which is to pray your sunnah at home, that's a wonderful side effect of the lockdown of masajid. The problem is um, the, 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 the millennials, Generation Z. I mean, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's open season, isn't it? All right. Um, Sheikh then continues, he goes, as for Fajr, then we goes, obviously we're talking about the break of dawn because of the Prophet's hadith, the other hadith, if one of you fears that the Fajr is about to break, the dawn is about to break, then quickly just pray one raka'ah, meaning you're praying, to, uh, let me finish the hadith, uh, uh, and that will, that will make odd, 
everything which he's just prayed. Okay? This hadith is narrated by... Uh, this hadith is narrated... This hadith is narrated... Where is this hadith narrated, Habib? Bukhari. Hadith, this hadith is in Bukhari, hadith 990. Okay? If you fear the, the encroaching uh, break of dawn, then just pray one. It will make odd that which he has uh, prayed. Okay? Um, and so, that is the uh, true dawn. The false dawn is what sets the alarm going. So you're meant to carry on praying your your tahajjud, your even twos and twos and twos into the break of dawn, into the the, the, the false dawn, which is like about half an hour, maybe 40 minutes, sometimes an hour, depending on different time of year, before the actual fajr. And when you see that, then you think, right, okay, now I've got to get into witted now because I've got to eat, I've got to prepare for fasting, etc., etc., etc. Okay, once fajr has started, all right, once the break of dawn has occurred, then there is no witr now. If you're late, you don't pray in this period of time. All right? This is only the time now for the sunnah of fajr, not a late witr. Okay? Now, it has been narrated from some of the salaf, as Sheikh Uthameen here quotes, okay? And he quotes yani, some references in the Muwatta, uh, but specifically you'll find most of them in the Musannaf of Ibn Abi Shayba. Okay? Um, and actually many books. And I'll tell you now that most of these narrations are authentic as well. Um, that a few of the Salaf, not of the companions, but the Ayni of Tabi'een, Atba'a Tabi'een, they even prayed their witr between uh, the start of Fajr, meaning the Adhan of Fajr, and then the start of the Iqama. Okay? Um, and that is uh, that is a, a act which has been narrated, but doesn't necessarily mean that it is to be followed. Okay? Because actually this deen has many of that kind of uh, narration. Um, this is similar to the narration of some of the Sahaba who would break their, um, who would who would continue eating after the the Fajr. Clearly, so the Adhan would go, or people would say that it's Fajr, it's Fajr, and they would say, no, no, I'm still eating, I'm still eating, and I don't mean that finish off, uh, finish off what's in your hand. I mean full hog. I mean they would go the full hog. So. Why is this thing going out? Right. Okay. So they would like, you know, go all the way. Right? So, um, and, you know, they would say, you know, someone would say, I can see the Fajr now. And he would say, just stand there. Just stand there. I can't see any Fajr. You know, that kind of stuff. I mean, bro, there's some madness. You know, when you start to get into the Musannafat, you will, if you are not solid of deen, solid of mind, know that, our methodology is not based upon single narrations and opinions, but rather the Sunnah of the Prophet and the consensus of the companions, then you would, you know, it would be a madness, okay? Uh, the break of dawn, yeah, is when the Fajr time starts, correct? And the first Adhan in the Haram in normal times, yes, is the false dawn, okay? It is uh, roughly around the false dawn, roughly. Um but I wouldn't depend upon that because they are more focusing on giving you an opportunity to get to the masjid early as opposed to being giving you the accurate false dawn. What you should be seeing the first adhan in the haram as is the time to be getting to the masjid more than any kind of legal reality. Okay? So closing the curtains to, the, to, to, to not see the fajr, by the way, as I said, is narrated from sahaba. Yani one or two. More tabi'een, three or four. 
than Sahaba. But, you know, it's not as mad as you may think. Anyway, this, as I said, is against the action of the Prophet Sallallahu and uh, something which is not yani, held to the evidences. So anyway, Witter ends then with the uh, beginning of Fajr. Um, and if you've missed your Witter, then you cannot pray. So what do you do? Um, there is some discussion amongst the scholars. Ibn Taymiyyah had his own position and there's a few others as well that said it's gone. And uh, But the majority say that you make it up. Of, uh, 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 and if you make it up, then according to the Hanabila, they make it up as... Um, uh, the uh, the they they make it up by um, their interpretation of one of the hadith of the Prophet which is narrated by Aisha radiallahu anha in Sahih Muslim hadith number seven four six, and this is where Aisha said that when sleep would overcome the Prophet um, or he, yani, you know, missed Qiyamul Layl. Uh, yani, uh, 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 sleep would overcome him, or headache, or yani, fever, or problem. Yani, he just found it a mission, okay? And it overcame him, and he was unable to do the Qiyamul Layl. He would pray in the day 12 rak'ah. 12 rak'ah, Sahih Muslim. Based upon this hadith, the majority of scholars who understood this hadith, they didn't think of it like some did, which is that, oh, this is an extra four raka'ah, duha. We know that duha is a minimum of two raka'ah in the mid-morning and a maximum of eight. And when you see 12, you're thinking, right, it's four extra. But rather, this is um, the explanation of the hadith in Bukhari in which Aisha radiallahu anha said that the Prophet would pray 11 raka'ah. Don't ask how beautiful and amazing they were, but that's what he would pray. 8 raka'ah uh, in the night. Uh, 11 raka'ah in the night. 11 raka'ah. We understand that now as 8 raka'ah of the Hajjit and 3 raka'ah witr. 11 raka'ah. And so with that hadith, we know that's what he does at night time. But then we see that he prays when he misses it. 12. So what we've noticed is that he makes whatever he prays in the night time even. So the 11 becomes 12. And so therefore, the vast majority of Muslims, correctly so, pray three raka'awitr, which is the sunnah, which is the most established sunnah. Or as I have translated later on, it is the most basic, complete version of the sunnah. Um, so if you therefore pray three raka'ah normally, then you would, and you missed it, then in the morning you would pray four. In the morning you would pray four. And if you would pray normally five, then you would pray six. And if you pray normally seven, then you would pray eight. And if you normally pray 11, as is the sunnah, then in the night time, because you're always praying the, the tahajjud, uh, or qiyamul layl, always, yeah, regularly, I mean, not every night. Then in the morning, you would pray 12 raka'ah because you would lift it up. And that's what it means to pray even of your odd witter. Okay? Um, so, yeah. Now, there is an interesting discussion amongst the scholars whether this should be cut up into twos or not. Okay? Whether it should maintain the same structure or not. 
So we know, as we're about to find out, that when it gets longer, when the raka'at become longer, 11 or 9s and, and so on, that it's all one continuous prayer, as you're going to see. So it's just standing up each time, one, two, no tashahud, no sitting down, one big unit, right? And so what would you do if you got to pray, let's stick to four, because most people pray three. Would you just do that? And there's a scholarly difference on that. Some said that's exactly what you do to, to copy the witr action. And others said, and this is where my heart feels more comfortable, that no, you would pray mathna, mathna, because that is the established hadith, the established principle for supererogatory prayer in both nighttime and daytime. And so if you had eight, four to pray, you would pray two, and then you would pray two. Uh, but as I said, some scholars said that you would make qiyas upon the witr or the amount number that you're going to do as you're about to see right now. And therefore you would pray like uh, without any um, without any breaks. Okay, so keep that in mind. Right, let's go through some of these numbers. Yeah. All right. So the sheikh says, what does he say next? Alright, he says it is a minimum of one unit and a maximum of 11 which is performed in twos and ends with a single unit. So the 11 there is two and then salam and then two and then salam and two and then salam and then two and salam and then two and then salam and then a single unit. That's the manner in which 11 are prayed as you're going to see in one of the hadith. Or one raka'ah which is like a bare bones, yani emergency kind of yani witr prayer, which is like a legal minimum, a legal minimum. And you know, a lot of people get excited when they see one. They think, all right, great job done. Kids are now jumping for joy. I'm going to come up and give them some good slaps. Okay, this is as legal minimum as when you would pray your uh, salah and 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 you think that you're not going to recite a surah after Fatiha. You just wouldn't do it, right? You just wouldn't do it. Even though the prayer is valid without the surah. Even if you're half dead and just one of these generation Zs, you're going to say at least. Right? So that's because you have a brain and you have a little bit of taqwa. Right? Which makes you realize that I can't be practicing, I can't be worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this day illegal minimum patheticness. Yeah? So, but one raka'ah is valid. Just like Salah with just Fatiha is valid, right? So the hadith, uh, the evidence that, 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 that established this, firstly, hadith in Muslim, in which the Prophet ﷺ said, that the witr is one unit uh, from the end of the night. Okay, this hadith is narrated by Muslim, hadith number 752. And also the Prophet ﷺ said, that hadith is in Bukhari, we gave the reference to it earlier on. I can't remember what it was, but it's the same hadith, yeah, if you noticed. Okay, that's in Bukhari. That's the hadith which says that the night prayer is, pray, is prayed in twos and twos. And I think we agreed that we're going to stick to twos, yeah, in our translation. And if one of you fears that, uh, if, if you fear that the, the, the fajr is very close, it's about to start, then just bam, smack out a raka'ah and... Um, it will make odd that which you've prayed. Here's the thing. It doesn't really matter. Listen, regardless of whether you experience this or not yourself, 
I can tell you right now that if you're ever like, you know, if you've ever joined, many of you obviously have been with me and either in, in our Umrah trips and our program, in our Tarbiyah programs or in our Hajj programs, where we, we, where we got our Tahajjud Qiyam program. And it's beautiful in that when you go and do that, you actually firsthand learn this point exactly. So especially when we're telling everyone, right, meet at the masjid for this time. And a lot of people kind of, you know, uh, um, often miss uh, or, or, or often underestimate just how long it takes once you get into the masjid to get into a good forward position. So they might get there in time in general, but they don't get to the actual kind of, you know, good front part. So it takes another 10-15 minutes. So they had their intention, I'm going to come in and I've got like 20-30 minutes and I'm going to pray yani, at least four, six raka'ah and, you know, uh, 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 you know, it's done. Okay? But... Uh, uh, what happens, and then I pray with her. And what happens is that 10-15 minutes is just taken getting to the front and putting their shoes uh, down. And therefore, once they start, they are literally, I am literally, you literally did. Anyone who's been in a group with me knows, or anyone who's been by themselves and prayed, will know that you know exactly the meaning of this hadith. That you're literally stressed that I've got no time, he's going to make the adhan, he's going to make the adhan, it's going to be any second, it's going to make the adhan. It's a very different reality to praying at home with an alarm or a watch or a time. You know there's a level of stress, there's a murmur, there's a, there's a hum and you can feel that pressure and you can feel that I've just really, you know what, I've got to now just cut this short and just pray one rakah, I quickly got to get it in. So this hadith, as I said, there are certain hadith, I always tell my, 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 my people that there are certain hadith that really only come alive in the field, right? Now, this hadith you would think is the most yani, benign of them that doesn't need any physical action. I tell you right now, you go out there on the field with this hadith, right? And you literally, you know, you feel exactly what it is. Um, and then, فَقَوْلُوا صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ رَكَعَةً This indicates that one uh, hadith, uh, one uh a minimum one unit is a minimal acceptable hadith um but in principle you pray in in pairs in pairs okay twos and twos and twos okay uh right now let's go through the options okay uh whoa, 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 one second what's happening here we have some discussion here right uh, Sada says that usually the Prophet ﷺ would pray 11 rakah in the night, 8 the Hajj and 3 witr. But if he missed that, that that morning, he would pray extra rakah in that night's witr. <laughs> no, 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 he would pray uh, uh, one extra uh, uh, 12. Okay, uh, making so what so when, what was one witr would be two rakah, correct? Yeah, what Warda basically said, Duha isn't the Hajj time. No, no, it is Duha the next day. It's not yani, the next night. Okay. Uh, Mahboob uh, said, I remember you demonstrated the minimal emergency salah, what I call in fiqh salah, the emergency salah. Yeah. Did you stop doing that? Because people will have an excuse to make a deficient salah even more deficient. Oh, no, no. I, I didn't stop doing that. Because I always explain it, right? As for give a physical demonstration... Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, to clarify. But no, no, I, 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 absolutely, I absolutely make a point of 
um, of doing that. Absolutely make a point of, of trying to demonstrate it because people see, you know, they remember what they see better. That's coming hadith a little bit later. Um, uh, Rashida says, if you're praying Qiyamul uh, Layl and you are on your second raka'ah of Witr, and that's all, uh, if you're praying Qiyamul Layl and you're on your second raka'ah of Witr and the Adhan for Fajr is called, should you go ahead and complete the third raka'ah? Yes, you should. And by the way, just so that I, I just want to make a point, that if you are intending to pray two and give salam and then pray three, I would not do the second tashahud and stand up. Okay. Um, so do that one, two, and three non-stop. Okay. And um, yeah, so it'd be a change in the intention. Now it's not a change of intention of witr, but it's a change in the form. And changing one's intention during the salah in form is a very minor matter, which is excused, and Allah subhanahu wa taala knows best. Okay. I hope that that makes sense, what, uh, what I just explained, Rashida, okay? Um, and you can pray three, but we'll come to that in a second. Uh, the Prophet said the hadith would pray 11 raka'ah, and after every two, two raka'ah, it would make taslim, and then, yeah, okay, that's fine. Fatima, actually, I'll tell you what's interesting. Uh, this is a completely confidential, of course. It's not public at all or anything. But I am meant to, uh, it won't be done virtually because it's just too much to do virtually. This is too big, too too big, and too intense to do virtually. Uh, but it is going to become online, you know, like one of those 4K kind of classes with all the bells and whistles and everything. Um, I, I, I plan to, inshallah, record that maybe in this summer, depending what happens for Hajj, maybe, it, it, maybe in place of Hajj, if that doesn't go ahead as possible, or but preferably I'm going to try and do it before Hajj. There's a whole camera team and all the rest of it. All right, okay, that's enough questions. Let's go on. Right, so... Now let's uh, do the, uh, on page 14. Uh, yeah, if one was to perform the witr as five or seven, they would not sit until the very end. And if nine is performed, then one only sits in the eighth unit. Let me just, I'm going to explain this. As we uh, go, right? That's going to be easier. So if you're praying five or you're praying seven, then it's just all non-stop. There is no tashahud until the very end. It's that simple. Don't make it any more complicated, okay? There's no tashahud except the very last one. If you're doing five or seven. By the way, this is also allowed to do in three as well, all right? But in three, you, you alternate between two and one, okay? So uh, conceptually... You know what a maghrib is, yeah? A maghrib is not a two and a one. A maghrib is a maghrib because it's like a two, but not a two because you don't go to give salams and you stand up, right? So we're going to call that a maghrib. It's called doing a maghrib, okay? Now, witr, I know us all packs do that, okay? But that is something which is only performed nowadays by some of the Hanafi school. The correct position, of course, is that this is not a correct prayer. Um, of course, that doesn't mean anybody who does that is doing it. Yeah, uh, what's it called? Uh, you know, rejected because it's jihad ultimately, and I want to talk a little bit about that ishtihad later as well. But anyway, it's called doing a maghrib. Yeah, so that's one way of praying witr. The sunnah of praying witr, which is very, very well established authentically, is to pray two and one. So you give salams after two raka'ah, and then you stand up and pray a single one. But also you can pray three non-stop. 
okay? If you're praying five, you should pray non-stop. And if you're praying seven, you should pray it non-stop. But there's also some laxity there as well. I'm going to come to that in a second. Right, that's what that means. They would not sit until the very end. That's what that means. If nine is performed, one only sits in the eighth unit. Basically, they do a maghrib. If you pray nine, you're going to do a maghrib. What does that mean? You're going to sit down after eight. So not every two or anything like that. You're going to sit down after the eighth, in the eighth rather. And you do tashahud. Abduhu wa rasulu. Allahu Akbar. Meaning you do a maghrib. Right? And you pray that ninth unit. Then you do the tashahud again. And then you do taslim. So you exit also at the end of the ninth. But it has two tashahuds. Unlike in five and seven. Unlike when you do five and seven. Did that make sense? Okay. Is everybody clear with what I said? It doesn't matter whether it's legal or colloquial. Okay. Just un tell me whether you understood what I said. And then uh, and, and confirm. Right. As for the basic complete version of the sunnah, then it is three units with two taslims. As I said before, and we're going to go through some evidences, but I just want to make sure everybody's clear on what we're talking about. That uh, three raka'ah, two and uh, a, a one uh, uh, is basically what happens. Now, what's very interesting is that when you pray um, 11, okay, when you pray 11, the sunnah is that you do two and two and two and two and you pray the single by itself if you are praying 11. That's another unique one. And you might say, well, hold on, how is this so different that for Maghrib, for the three... For the three units, you've got two clear options and one weak option during a maghrib, okay? And then for five and seven, you're saying none, like it's just non-stop, non-stop. And then for nine, it's like a, a maghrib, yeah? And then 11 is bam, bam, bam. And the reason is, is because we have hadith that specify all of this individually very clearly. So, for example, um, we've already... Uh, so as for the 11... Okay, then uh, uh, the Prophet Sallallahu he actually said that he would pray 11 units making odd one rak'ah, which means that he prayed 10 as even and giving salam after each one. Because in another version of the same hadith, يُسَلِّمُ بَيْنَ كُلِّ رَكَعَتَيْنِ وَيُوتِرُ بِوَاحِدًا That's the, uh, the, the reference to that one on page 11. Uh, is uh, Sahih Muslim Hadith number 736 That's the version of the 11 units Where you would Do a salam after every two Yeah, so twos, 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 twos And then pray one rakah So that's 11 done With this clear evidence Okay And then five, seven, blah, blah, blah Right um, If you're praying three rakah All in one go With just one salam then the hadith for that is the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. The Prophet that he would do witr with three raka'ah. He would not sit except in the last raka'ah, narrated by Imam Malik in the Muwatta, uh, hadith number 466. Bang quality hadith and authenticity, narrated by Imam Nasai as well and Al Hakim. Um, 
And Sheikh uh, Sheikh Uthameen, rahimullah, something very nice actually in the footnotes, um, uh, which the muhaqqiq mentions, okay, he says that in one of the uh, circles that uh, Sheikh Uthameen uh, gave in Ramadan, because every Ramadan, you know, the scholars, they go and in the masjid, they would give circles, you know, in the masjid, and um, in the evening. And in one of those uh, circles, most of these are recorded and you can find them. He was asked the question about uh, Salatul Witr and he said that if a person wants to uh, prefer more often than not to pray the three Witr all as one go, yeah, so no Tashahud is nothing, just Tashahud at the end, just the yani, Salam at the end, so three and bang, one go, then uh, 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 then that's, that's great because that is what's narrated by Imam Al-Tahawi authentically uh, from Umar. Ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, that, that, that is exactly what he used to do. Pray three and only give salam at the very, very end. So this is not just a, a narrated from the Prophet authentically, but it was also the action of the major companions as well. So this is method number one of praying three raka'ah salatul witr, a all-in-one go. Then you've got the standard, the standard basic version, which is an excellent version, which is that you give salam after two, and then you stand up and pray one rak'ah by itself. And that hadith is the hadith narrated by Bukhari. As we said earlier on, uh, hadith Bukhari 730, uh, uh, 738. And uh, also many other sources actually. Many other sources. Alright. Um, Sheikh says, all of this the sunnah has narrated uh, many times in different places. And um, also... Uh, um, Sheikh says that this is the kind of thing which we I explained in the voice note on Telegram, you know, I think last week, about those actions which are yani narrated yani in 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 a form of tanawwar, yani meaning that they are there to be practiced in their in their variants, and it is a sunnah to vary between them as opposed to different opinions that are held by scholars that lead to different expressions which is not a sunnah to rotate between them, okay? So, uh, this is um, uh, uh, this is something which is um, this is something which is uh, good. Sometimes do it two and one, sometimes do three all in one go. Sometimes do two and one, sometimes do three in one go. Alright, he goes, that's good, alright? Now, if you pray five, then you do not make any tashahud except at the very, very end and just give the salam. This is because of what was narrated by Imam Muslim um, in the chapter of the prayer of the night and the number of raka'at. Hadith number 737, narrated on the hadith on the authority of Aisha radiallahu anha, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he uh, prayed... Uh, he prayed 13 raka'ah and he would when he would um, uh, when he did that okay when he did that then he he did a 5 raka'ah witr okay so I want you to understand, and he did not give salam until the, and he did not sit in it until the very end. Let me explain this hadith, it might be confusing. It also explains how this is a, a, a question as well. And uh, Rivers, uh, you should be reading the notes for it, it's coming up later, bro. Uh, 
Um, so, and Rehan's asking the same question as well. The way to determine most of the time uh, what is witter and what is not, okay, when you just see a number of units being prayed at night time, is two key tools. The first tool, which is the obvious tool, is the explanation of the narrator. Because we have a basic principle that when a narrator explains a hadith, so obviously there's a third as well, but that's super obvious. That's when the Prophet himself says something, right? And so we know that he has said many a hadith in which he describes what is a witter, how many rakai is witter, and so that's just the end of the story right there. But anyway, let's just say that we want to go to the second source. The second source is the companion that's narrating it. Now, obviously, Aisha is a big player in this. Anas Abdullah ibn Abbas, for the obvious reasons, because this is a night prayer happening in the, the bedroom most of the time, right? So therefore, the, there's not enough yani, you know, other companions of telling us this, this, these details. And we, as, we, as I told you before, the Prophet ﷺ doesn't take the, the, the easy option. He takes the proper one, the rewarded one, which is to get up after he goes to sleep. So only few people are going to have that privilege of being able to narrate this. Aisha is the queen of hadith anyway, but then she knows absolutely everything when it comes to fiqh and the action of the Prophet ﷺ. So she will sometimes express it very clearly, just like I just told you right now. Right? Look what she said. She said that the Prophet ﷺ prayed one prayed in the night time 13 raka'ah look at this listen to me and focus okay instead of asking 13 raka'ah five of those was witter so you see how the question is now not a question anymore she clearly states how much was witter right that's clearly indicating to you that the qiyam part was eight eight plus five equals 13 all right that's the second way of proving this the, when I said the two tools, is the one of the two tools, ignoring the, the hadith, obviously, from the Prophet The final tool is to remember the basic principle. The basic principle is the hadith of Bukhari. And this is, of course, something which is going to bring discussion up in a couple of weeks' time. That the Prophet never prayed more than eight raka'ah of the hajjud at night time. And once you know that, it's just a maths equation. Then everything else is weighed in the light of this principle. Now, this frankly is not needed to be used so much because often, most of the time, frankly, a companion will clarify subtly or very directly, like here, how many raka'ah are witr. All right? So anyway, that's the evidence for five raka'ah witr. And when you pray witr, you pray it like he did, which is to know uh, uh, sitting down except at the very, very end. If you do seven, okay, then, and uh, uh, can you do seven? Yes, hadith narrated by Imam Muslim. Again, hadith number 139 on the authority of Aisha uh, anha. Which is such a beautiful way, يعني, you know, that's how what I want all of you guys now to basically describe me now as well, okay? Yesterday, I mean, the problem is that neither Bob's is here. That doesn't mean anything. The, 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 the problem is, is that neither Bob's is here at the moment or Abu Dhar because they don't study any anymore. But I was saying this um, 
uh, about Azam Khan, the son of Moin Khan, playing in the Abu Dhabi T10. They were commenting that he's smashing this ball everywhere, absolutely battering it. MashaAllah, tabarakallah. I said, listen, when you got that kind of ghosht yani, behind you, because MashaAllah, Bismillah, MashaAllah, Sahibul Ghosht, yani, Sahibul Laham. Yeah, tuck, and the ball goes miles because he has ghosht. Now, this is not backbiting. Listen. Listen. Okay. Let me tell you about the hadith. The hadith says that when the Prophet ﷺ started to get old or started to age and the ghosht overtook him. Okay. The ghosht overtook him. The laham. All right. I just want to make that clear for you, Pax. Okay. That's all. So. Um, which basically means he put on weight, he became heavier, yani things became more difficult, you know, everything becomes different, difficult. Awtara bi sab'in, he did witter with seven raka'at, wa sana'a fi raka'atayn, mithla sani'a al-awwal. Okay? Mithla sani'a al-awwal. Okay, so meaning that, uh, that, uh, so, so first of all, he does, he does, like in Zimam al-Haq, yeah, like in Zimam, not in Zimam, not in Z, in Zimam, right? So that's the evidence for seven. As for, um, you tell me, Mesa, you don't eat laham at home, come on, bro. As for the uh, uh, evidence of uh, the, uh, the, 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 the not praying, uh, uh, not doing the tashahud except at the end, then that's the hadith of Um Salama radiallahu anha, again a wife, all right, of the Prophet sallam, again inside knowledge. She said, كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يثر بسبع أو بخمس لا يفصل بينهن بتسليم ولا كلام. He would pray witr at night time, sometimes seven, sometimes five, and he would not يعني give, he would not break that seven or five up with anything, neither with raka'ah, neither with salam, neither with talking, يعني meaning that he would just go all in one go, okay. All in one go. So, um, and and that's uh, uh, yeah. And this hadith is narrated by Imam Ahmed. Okay, in volume two, uh, volume six for uh, two hundred ninety, and by Imam Nasa'i, hadith number one seven one three, and one one nine four by uh, Ibn Majah. Okay. And it has a good chain. It has a good chain. So now you know that seven is on, five is on, and these are uh, thingy. Naeem says, just to support our Hanafi brothers, the second opinion of the Hanbali Madhab is as a Hanafi, Hanafi pray, witr, i.e. the three raka'ah with two jalsa, one taslim. Hanbalis won't uh, leave the Hanafi leave alone, don't worry. Now, I told you that, uh, that I was going to mention something a little bit about this, right? So I want to tell you something. That when I was... Little story, little story. When I started practicing, um, one of my teachers, so I, 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 you know, when I started studying fiqh, I was like any other Pakistani yani coming from the Hanafi school. Um, but I was fascinated with hadith. So I came into the game with a very kind of, uh, you know, wanting to study hadith from how the Hanafis looked at. So, one of the first books I was fortunate enough to study was Nasbur Raya. Now, those who have studied Fiqh Salah with me will know that, you know, this book is like my jan. Yeah, I love this book. 
and uh, this book is a uh, uh, this book is a masterpiece. I just want to straight out just say I'm not going to flap around. I ain't got time. Okay, and I love it a lot, and I always make a point of it in fiqh salah because the Hanafis get a lot of cussing yani, for the way that their salah is significantly different to the other three schools, let alone yani, to, the, to the Hanbalis or the Al-Hadith. It's actually, it's always on its own. Okay, and I said to you before, yani, the Shafi'is have got it locked on when it comes to salah. The, you know, any objective observer will know that when it comes to, you know, most yani, uh, positions that seem to be supported according to a rajah with, and rajah of course is a subjective term, but yani, Hadith and majority positions then Shafi'is you know so the Hanafi is always different to them and you, you start to feel inferior to complex but they don't and the reason they don't is because the actions of this one Imam Azaylai okay and this Imam Azaylai what he basically did is that you know um, like any other Hanafi you know uh, following Al-Hidayah uh, which is a uh, basic kind of book of fiqh which basically states all these kind of facts and in a very kind of you know uh, uh, blase kind of way that the maghrib is just for just 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 for the sake of saying it maghrib you pray like uh, uh, witter you pray like maghrib and you do this and you do that and you don't recite fatiha and you don't find you know x and y etc etc and so um Zayla'i, who was a hanafi he's like you know what right my passion is hadith and he was muhaddith okay and uh he's like i need to do a service here i'm gonna back up this text of hidayah in a way that's not happened previously or certainly not to that level anyway and i'm gonna back up all of the things that he or the, that are stated in the fiqh with an authentic narration in hadith and a slap down of the alternative opinions with their hadith. Although he didn't really focus too much or hardly a little bit on them. His actual focus was on his own. Right? And I want to say to you that obviously there's been many copies that have come afterwards. Many. Right? Um, obviously the Shafi easy and are big on this. Right? Um... And obviously we have our own Irwa al Khalil, for example, uh, etc. Many people have tried. Muhaddithin trying to take a particular madhab, focus on it and give the background ground to, you know, its hadith and its uh, back up their positions with hadith. Because there is a reputation for fuqaha that they're not so fussed with hadith, right? Obviously, that's I'm summarizing it there and I'm not being very generous. But like, you know, they're more lax. All right, they're, they're in the game, they're sorting their own kind of behavior out. Um, principle slightly different to Ahl Athar and Ahl Hadith, there's no doubt about it, versus Ahl Rai. And majority of Ahl Rai are considered from the Fuqaha, less so from Ahl Hadith, etc. 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 There's a lot of generalizations going on there, but anyway, the interesting thing is that all of the opponents of the Hanafi school or Azaylai after Anaspur Raya became either partners or fans or that level of begrudging respect because you know what it is and i've always told people this in their personal lives in their public lives you know muslims you know we speak about this in protect this house we speak about this in fiqh salah we speak about this in um 
in the 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 the, the free Friday uh, session of uh, Protect This House, you know, back in the day when we used to be able to do the public uh, uh, Friday session, that the reason Bukhari is is who he is and his book is what it is, okay, um, is because he said, I will be that level of discipline, that level of quality, I'll ignore the consequences of going so high, so academic, so high quality, in that it means that I will have to kick out hundreds of thousands of hadith when I'm writing my Jamit Sahih, Sahih Bukhari. And, you know, having that ridiculously high standard, ridiculously high standard, nobody else ever in history matched it, or requested it, or required it, okay, for authentic hadith. But he said, this is what I'm going to do. So he does that. And as a result, what happens is, is it's so good that even those who hate him, and there were many who had reason to, have to submit that it's the greatest ever. And, you know, like I said in Protect This House, when you look at the Muslims and how split we are and how much we hate each other and, you know, all the sects and all the madhabs and all the X and the Y and Z, it's incredible that they all unify over Bukhari. They all come to, you know, to, to unity over it. And that's because excellence will never, ever go wasted in any field, in any area, where secular, religious, hadith, fiqh, Quran, tafsir, yani speaking, uh, uh, any field, any area, it is basically going to be uh, appreciated by everybody. And after that, there are a number of muhaddithin that just rate Nasbur uh, Raya uh, as one of the great books. Anyway, that's the little story. I just want to say that I grew up on that book, my, my, my dini growing up. And so I studied that. And as a result, when you do study that, as a Hanafi, you don't feel any inferior at all. In fact, you start walking around like, you know, uh, like, you're the, like you're the man. And it's a buzz. It's, a, it's an absolute buzz. Um, and hey, here you know some of his opinions are, are, are a bit, you know, out there. But you know, he builds a case for each thing. Now, the reason I said all this little story is because it's a wonderful thing, and it's important for us, especially when uh, Hanafis do start to feel left out and think what else is going on. And it's important for us to, you know, sometimes dip in and say, guys, don't feel left out. You guys have got some proper game here. Now, what's very interesting is the vast majority of scholars considered the hadith of. Uh, narrated by Abu Dawood and by other uh, uh, sources um, of the Prophet Sallallahu prohibiting Salatul Maghrib uh, pro 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 prohibiting the prayer of Witr to be like Salatul Maghrib and there's a massive discussion back and forth back and forth okay uh, Imam Zaylai in a number of places has launched a major defense of this hadith and so therefore it is only, that's why he wouldn't dare ever say, even though I strongly believe that it's not an acceptable Maghrib prayer. But when we use the word not acceptable, we mean, in my opinion, that I believe to be right with the possibility of being wrong. When you have that kind of position, it is very important to realize that if there are other schools or scholars or individuals that hold the hadith to be authentic, it's not a wrong position. It might be wrong to me because I believe it's not. But if you hold the hadith to be authentic, this is wonderful methodology. This is the methodology of Ahl al-Sunnah. 
So we, it doesn't matter the language. Obviously, you can have flowery language and say it is ikhtilaf on the issue or whatever. It doesn't matter whether you do that or not. But the point is, is that the Hanafis, they consider either A, the Zayla'i approach or the Muhaddithin from the Ahnaf, which is that the Hadith is not weak and so we're going with that. And that's what we're sticking with. Or, which is an, a position which I think it was Naim who said uh, that, uh, that the Hanafi, yeah, it was, yeah. That's the, uh, it is a position in the Hanbali school and actually it's a position of a few other scholars as well the praying uh, praying witter like Maghrib and they said that the hadith is sahih the hadith is uh, 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 sahih um, and what it means the Hanafis would say that the hadith is sahih and the uh you know, I've just realized that I've made it the complete wrong way, uh, just, just to make it clear that the hadith is authentic, that one should not pray like Maghrib. And Zayla, he said it was weak. I, 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 I just mixed my way up as opposed to the other way around. I hope that you understand. What, I think you understood that. That's a slip of the tongue. So the Hanafis want to make the hadith weak, basically. All right. Now. There are some Hanafis that said the hadith is actually okay. We accept the, the hadith. The, the hadith says that the Maghrib prayer is not meant to, that the witr is not to be prayed like the Maghrib prayer. But it doesn't mean not two and one like the Maghrib prayer, but rather in the way that the Maghrib prayer is actually prayed. In terms of that the two raka'ah are said out loud and the third one is quiet. Or that the, third, the two raka'ah are full and the third one is empty. And that is why we will not make our witr prayer like the Maghrib prayer. And we will recite out loud in the third raka'ah. And we will recite a surah in the third raka'ah. And we will recite a qunutul witr in the third raka'ah. Uh, unlike yani, in Maghrib. Three viable clear differences to the thingy. We actually implemented the hadith. So listen, this is not about, I mean, I don't like to go too much into this. We don't have the time. All right. To go into all, but it's a nice little. Uh, it's just an anecdote that that uh, that a name reminded me, that. Um, but I told you at the beginning that I was going to mention it, but not to this level of detail. But it's useful to know that the Hanafis they are often made to feel kind of inadequate when it comes to hadith and fiqh, etc., etc. It couldn't be further from the truth, frankly. Those guys have got game, bro. Okay, all right. Anyway, anyway, still the majority considered that hadith to be uh, authentic. And that the vast majority of scholars consider that a, um, a hadith to refer to the units. And the, the strongest evidence for that, of course, is that it's not been narrated from the Prophet ﷺ ever praying Maghrib in that way. And that's a devastating hadith. That's a devastating fact. But like I said, it's khilaf at the end of the day. Um, now, um, Sheikh also says, so I, I the last thing that I said was that in seven raka'ah, uh, you don't give a salam in any of them until the very end. Okay, but وَإِن تَشَهَّدَ فِي السَّادِسَةِ بِدُونَ السَّلَامِ ثُمَّ صَلَّى أَسَابِعَ وَسَلَّمَ فَلَا بَأْسَ But if you pray the seven by doing six and a tashahud, basically doing a maghrib, doing a maghrib, right? So you pray six, do a tashahud, don't give the salam, stand up, and then pray the seventh, then that's something which is not a problem. It's okay. Alright? It's okay. Why? Because of hadith Aisha radiallahu anha narrated by Imam Ahmed 
It's not the weakest of hadith, not the strongest either, by the way. Alright? But it's not the weakest. Volume 3, hadith number 53. Aisha said that the Prophet, um, uh, she said that you pray uh, seven uh, raka'at. He didn't say, she didn't say the Prophet, she's explaining. You pray seven raka'at and you do not yani, sit in it except in the sixth. Okay? You do not sit in it except in the sixth. Yani, this is an evidence which indicates that there's a little bit of uh, ease in the matter if you're praying seven. Not yani, that this is a really established way of praying the seven, but hey, that there's some ease in the matter. And I want to go further, but not just in, the, not in this lesson. I will go further in the next week's lesson. Okay? Um, so let's yani, just finish this. And if he does nine... Then he makes two tashahuds. First, he sits down in eight. Then he stands up and doesn't give salam. And then he uh, uh, recites the ninth rakah. Then he sits down and then he does tashahud again and then he gives salam. And this is because um, and this is because of the hadith of Um Salama, hadith number uh, by narrated by Imam Al Nasai. Hadith number 1713. 1713. Okay? So that's how that's how 9 is prayed. And if he does 11, then it's only done in one way. Twos, 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 giving salams all the time. Tashahud, salam, salam, salam. And then he prays the 1, and we spoke about that as Bukhari. And I think we will stop there. That's a, a lot that we covered. And I hope that no one's head has been burnt. But yeah, and it is there. But it's flexible and I will speak about it. I've never met a Hanafi who cared about whatever. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Yeah, and you'd be surprised actually. It's not fully true that they sometimes, as Maryam said, the anti-Madhab discourse of the 90s went a long way towards dissing on the Hanafis and belittling their approach. And that's what gave the Salafi movement such a bad name. I mean, so it, listen, you know what's so stupid? I mean, Alhamdulillah, Allah saved me from this because from the very beginning, I never went down that path. Not because I was anything special or clever. It's just that circumstances went that way. Um, the Salafi Dawah is an Aqidah movement. It then morphed into a political movement. Where the fish, it got its focus on fiqh, and it will never, ever be understood ever in history. Right? It just doesn't make any sense. So, uh, but they did. They did. Right? They, they made it out, yani, that no, the whole Salafiyyah is about yani, d- d- bashing other other uh, other groups' fiqh. And that's what caused it. Now, some of us who were not on that scene couldn't care less. And so, you know, we were we were the best mates for Hanafis. Some of us were Hanafis. Right, let's do some couple of questions because the lesson has gone on for a bit of a long time. Uh, I understand your connection had the differentiate between five witr, etc. But I don't understand the distinguishing of the 11 raka'ah witr. As the hadith reference on page 16 is the hadith on top of page 11. I don't understand the question, to be honest. Don't understand the distinguishing of the 11 raka'ah witr. If you cut, uh, a simple answer, uh, Rayhan, study all of the hadith surrounding it, you will see that it's very, very clear. We're using the three principles that I said. Qawl al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, qawl al-Rawi, asal of eight raka'ah being the tahajjud. Yeah, Qiyamul Layl. All right. Um, if one misses the Asr prayer and is now time for Maghrib, how will one make up Asr? Does the person pray Asr before Maghrib? What is? Th- yeah, correct. So 
if you missed Asr prayer and it is now Maghrib, you will pray Salatul Asr right now and then you will pray Maghrib. The only time that you won't do that is if Maghrib is about to expire. Okay? As for the best time to pray the Sunnah of Fajr, it's uh, Sunnah of Fajr can only be prayed after Fajr has started. Okay? So Fajr meaning dawn. Right? And it has to be prayed before the obligatory. Okay, folks? Right. Uh, is it okay to draw web comics and animations? I think it's okay. I think it's permissible, Sadia. But go back and read uh, or listen and read or the transcripts or whatever. I did a lot of that in detail. Okay. Please clarify. If I only pray to raka'ah al-dhuhr, do tashahud, including durood, and give taslim, do I get straight back up, say Allahu Akbar, pray the missed two raka'ah, and then recite at-tahiyyat, but no durood, as these have already been recited, and then do sajjahud, then give taslim. So the answer is yes, that's exactly what you do, Lutz, right? But you do recite the durood, okay? It doesn't matter that you prayed it before, you are now continuing the, 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 uh, uh, you're, you're continuing the action, right? So, uh, so to just complete your paragraph, you would pray the mistu raka'ah, and then you sat down, and you recite tahiyatul lillah, and then next is Allahumma salli. Why would you just miss it out? I get it. You missed it out because you said it before. No. You carry on with Allahumma salli Muhammad. Then make your dua. And then you will do the sajda uh, uh, No. Um, in this case, because you um, uh, here, you would give taslim first. Okay. You'd give, you'd give taslim first because you have, you've added to the prayer. And then you would do the sajda sahu. So one taslim. Do the sajda sahu two times. And then two taslims. Okay, right. If you pray two and then one for Witter, how is the intention? There is no intention, uh, Zubair. The intention is I'm praying three Witter. You don't need to make the intention that I'm doing it like this, doing it like that. You don't need to say anything either. It's just in your head or in your heart. You know, Ahlam, the reason is because Allah blessed Canadians, I'm telling you, and Americans to some extent. They, they stayed away from all of this mess, yani, you know, they keep their deen simple. Now, obviously, there's cost to that, yani, they were, they, you know, that's why Americans, America, the, 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 the liberal kind of label of the North North America comes because it's all just one melting pot that, you know, what the hell is all this, yani, you know, madhab, yani, seriousness, behavior, okay? So, the Allahu Akbar hadith is not for the Takbirat al ihram is the Allah Akbar for standing up. Okay? Sarah did this class without any snacks or drinks. So that's her excuse for her mess. Okay, we'll see. If one enters the masjid and sits down, then realize he hasn't prayed to Hajj al Masjid, is he still able to stand? Yes, he is. He should then pray it. That's good. If you didn't pray witter, then you should pray it afterwards, as I said, in the way that I explained it, which is after duha, uh, uh, after sunrise. And then, if, you know, if you pray three, then you would pray four. Is it established in the sunnah to refer to the two before the one as shafa? Uh, Arabs say shafa al-witr all the time. Or should the entire prayer be referred to as salatul witr? Well, that's a good question. And it comes to your intention. And that's actually what Rayhan has been asking about, right? Because he's basically saying, how do you actually understand that? The Shafa is it referring to all of the rakaat of Qiyamul before, or is it not? And there is some relax, there is some laxity in phrases, unlike yani knowing how much the witr is being prayed, which is something different. So that's okay for that phrase. 
Um, sometimes after the fourth slot in the masjid, I forget to pray my sunnah at home, even though I had the intention to do so. By the time I remember the next prayer has entered, Maghrib sunnah missed, and then at Isha time, I realized I missed the sunnah of Maghrib. That's coming up later, inshallah. You see, Sara, the thing is, yeah, you are, um, uh, you see, Maryam, I am going to say that actually me, and literally me, I'm complaining so Sara can apologize because she's talking about all this, oh, you didn't get any energy and drink, drink writing it, yeah? Let me tell you, to read it, okay, to read it requires adrenaline, not in my heart, in my eyes, in my head, and coke and whatever. You know, the, the idea of reading this is a nightmare. And I have to like close my eyes and ears and everything. Okay? So let me do it. Witter Pratt. I don't know what I did to deserve this, to be honest, Tiana, because it is absolute madness. Okay? The Witter is prayed before Fajr. No. Witter is prayed between Isha and Fajr, the true dawn. The time for Witter is for is from when oh, I need a drink. The time for Witter is from when one prays Isha, not from when when Isha time comes in. I.e., if one is combining Isha with Maghrib, they can pray Witter from as soon as they pray Isha. It can be prayed at any point until Fajr. The best time for witr to be prayed is as late as possible due to the increased reward for increased difficulty. And that increased difficulty is a subjective kind of statement. Really, it should be, in notes, it should be due to the increased reward narrated in the sunnah, brackets, and increased difficulty. Just so that you understand the difference between the two. One yani, is a primary evidence. This is like a, a, a hikmah, yeah? a wisdom, as opposed to a illah. Once Fajr comes in, the time for witr prayer is passed. If one fears that dawn is about to break, one should pray just one rak'ah. If one misses witr in a night, then it should be made up in the morning at duha time by praying whatever is one's normal witr habit plus an extra rak'ah to make an even number. It is not sunnah to pray the, sun, the sunan and witr prayers in a masjid. Ideally, one should pray the sunnah at home after the prayer. Ideally, one should wake up pray witr before Fajr. In the today's context, in the today's context, in the today's context. In today's context. If one cannot guarantee one will pray the sunnah or even witr at home, then they should be prayed in the masjid after Isha, but this is not sunnah and we should work to change this habit. Witr is prayed in odd numbers of units. A minimum of one raka'ah, maximum of eleven. The basic complete version is three raka'at with a taslim after the second raka'at and one unit on its own. Yeah. A weaker position is to pray the three in the same fashion as Maghrib, with a tashahud in the second raka'at and a taslim at the end. Yeah. There is also an opinion that all three will be prayed continuously without any tashahud. A much stronger opinion, I should say. It is best to alternate between the different versions, and that is the class position, absolutely. All right. Not the weak opinion. That's not the class position at all. Even though it's an acceptable prayer, of course, it's not rejected in any way. And that's how the majority of Muslims pray. Let me make that clear, by the way. One rakah is legal minimum should not be habitual. Yes, five or seven they are prayed continuously. There's no tashahud except the very last taslim for ending the prayer. Seven, it is, however, acceptable to do a tashahud in the penultimate rakah without taslim in the same fashion as maghrib. There is a tashahud for nine 
without Taslim in the penultimate rak'ah in the same fashion as Maghrib. 11, there are, they are prayed in units of two with the Taslim at the end of each two and then the final rak'ah prayed on its own. Allahumma laka alhamd wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Fiqh of Salah is inshallah going to be released this year bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Okay, it's going to be Ah, uh, uh, right. Uh, let's see if we got Yani. Uh, listen, it's late, man. That's it. That's enough. Yeah, we can Rehan. That's, I don't know what's some madness there, and Mariam's got some madness there. So let's just leave that, and we will. Um, what? Uh, yeah, we'll do that in Telegram or something. So, what kind of day is it? Is it a good day or a bad day or what kind of day? It's a Shaz day. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika shahadu wa la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfirukallahumma wa atubu ilayk wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh So what kind of day? It's a Shaz day.